What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Today's episode of the Chase to Must podcast is brought to you by our presenting sponsor, Panko Chicken. The new Atlanta restaurant thrives off of a unique spin on Japanese and Western cuisine and is already racking up the awards, winning best-selling taste in the Taste of Atlanta Awards both in 2017 and 2018. So if you're in the metro Atlanta area and are wanting to try something new and good and delicious, Go to Panko Chicken today and tell them that I sent you over. You'll be glad you did, I promise. Panko Chicken, where eats meets West. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. <laughs> um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right, welcome back to a Wednesday night edition of the Chase Thomas podcast. We're recording this late-ish on a Wednesday, but I am joined. <laughs> By James Hollis, Snotty Drippin, Tweet Good Mac. He has a lot of other nicknames, I believe, but those are just the ones I know off the top of my head. Is there anything else, James, that I'm forgetting here? Uh, you forgot washed up. Oh, right, right. You're not washed up, man. I'm all washed up, buddy. This is uh, this season. I've been definitely a lot more uh, not as involved as I have been past seasons, man. The Celtics might have broke me. Do I revisit what I told you before the season started? Uh, you need to, I don't remember. Okay. Tell me. So I actually went back and listened before this podcast at one of our earlier ones from last year. And what I said was, there is, I don't see how there is any way the two best teams in the Eastern Conference this year are Toronto and Milwaukee. I had Milwaukee finishing first in the East and Budenholzer winning the most games of anyone in the East. You can play the tapes, folks. I am on record saying the Bucks were going to win the most games in the NBA, especially the East, and then the Toronto Raptors would actually end up winning the NBA Finals, but still finish second in the regular season. And I was not a Celtics believer. On record, you hated me for it. You couldn't fathom that I did not believe in this Celtics hodgepodge of a cast. And I, I, mean, I stand before you very proud of... My early season NBA predictions because it's almost March and uh, I feel great. I mean, you're still wrong. That's fine. Um, <laughs> How am I wrong? It's fine, dude. It happens. No, you can't get everything. So now, if is it possible that a team can have a better record and not be the better team? Oh, for sure. That's what I'm saying. Like, I think the Raptors are a better team than the Bucks, but I, I just didn't see how Budenholzer with Giannis and everything else, just they weren't going to win a shit ton of regular season games. I think they're in a lot of trouble come playoff time. I, I just, it, the people who are just like pushing Giannis so much further above Kawhi Leonard right now is just very perplexing to me. I, I don't get it. Oh, I get it. I think he's better than Kawhi right now. Just because of I think sheer, they're holding just, back Kawhi, though. Like, Giannis is playing like 32 minutes a night, but like Kawhi misses a lot of games. They haven't played him a lot. He's he's getting time. Like, they are building for the long run because they know they have to make the finals to keep him. 
And I just, I don't think he's been taken out of the chamber yet. Like he is, he is still in, uh, he's, he's frozen right now. I don't think we've seen him completely chilled out. I mean, so you're saying hypothetically he's holding us in the back. I'm just saying what we actually see right now. He's like an A minus being held back though. No, that's fine. But Giannis is actually like an A plus and he's unstoppable. Like he's just living in the paint. He's, he's, um, he's affecting the game both sides of the ball and I get it, you know, but sometimes honestly, just being bigger might be enough. Giannis is a seven footer doing the things he does. And that, you know, he's unstoppable. That, that kind of matters. That level of dominance kind of matters. It's really cool. Kawhi can hit those, uh, the fadeaways and, you know, he, he has all the, M, the MJ shots in his, uh, in his repertoire, but you know, it's, it's when a guy's seven foot and he can play center and power forward, but he moves away at Giannis does. I get it. Well, I think you also have to factor in the fact that the Raptors just have a better, uh, group around Kawhi so the difference between Kawhi and Giannis this season um mixed with just the start the closing five that Toronto is going to be able to throw out versus what Milwaukee is going to throw out I just I'm not a believer in that four spot for Milwaukee and Bledsoe like Lowry we know what he struggled with in the postseason but his load a lot of that was just the burden that he was carrying with DeRozan he doesn't have to do that anymore and I, I just don't see Lowry having the same kind of postseason uh, struggles that he's had in years past, and I think he's going to eat Eric Bledsoe alive. Um, and that's that's definitely a possibility. But um, let me ask you: out of those three teams, we're talking Toronto, Milwaukee, and Boston. Boston had they start off pretty ugly, ten and ten, mm-hmm. and then they made a change. They put they put Marcus Smart and uh, which is a great move. Hey, great move. The bench and um, Luke oh, Morrison start lineup. Yes. Marcus Morrison. So between Milwaukee. Toronto and Boston, which one has the highest offensive rating since that move was made? Well, the fact that you're asking me that makes me think that it's Boston. No, I want to hear what you would think, because obviously you would think something else, right? You think, I would those think are Milwaukee, the right? You would think and since November 26th, which is it's a, it's a lot of games. It's mm-hmm. uh, like about 35, 40 games, right? Mm-hmm. And I think right now most teams have played about what, 55 games, 60 games. Yeah, something like that. 60. So it's more than. It's a big chunk of the season. Uh, It's Boston. Boston's third in the league in offensive rating since that day. Mm -hmm. Defensive rating. Who do you think out of those three teams? Toronto. It's the Bucks. Bucks actually since that time have number. Yeah, they're number one at one hundred two. Interesting. Okay. Uh, Part of that has to be because they're blowing teams out and they're really just stifling teams to the point where like they have like an absurd amount of like twenty point wins. Boston is sixth and Toronto is 11th in that span. Interesting. Well, Toronto, so, we now have to throw a lot of that out the window because Marc Gasol has been a defensive real plus minus monster this year. His offense isn't what it was in the past, but like he is basically going to be playing the Tim Duncan title team role um, those last couple of Kawhi years in San Antonio. That's he has to show me for them. He has to show me that he has it because, I mean, I believe. Mark- Mark has just been hurt, and then he just hasn't been. Look, the Memphis defense has not been great the last few years. You know, it's it comes and goes. I get it; pieces around him weren't great, but I don't know. I'm just not much of a. I still, I still think Toronto's going to be at their best when they go small with Serge. You know, they're not, they're not going to have Mark on the. Their best lineup is still going to be Serge and Siakam at, at the at the five and four. Interesting. So. I think it just depends on who they're playing. Um, I also could make you can make the case that it doesn't include those two because, as the president of the OG and Anobi fan club, um, I think there is reason to suggest that he could be a factor in some of these series. Where like 
the Philadelphia series. Like if they're playing Tobias and Jimmy and Embiid, like there is part of me that wonders if they're just like, all right, we're going to throw another monster wing. that's just going to harass the shit out of Jimmy Butler and drive him nuts. And then we'll have um, Kawhi on Tobias and that kind of stuff. I, I wonder if that, it just depends. I just think they have a different matchup. They can throw it whoever they want now. Like they could use Ananobi. They could use Siakam. They can use Ibaka. They can use Gasol. Like they just have even more options. They just, I'm a little worried about the Fred Van Vliet injury with the ligament in his finger. That's not great. But then they just signed Jeremy Lin and Jeremy Lin's not Fred Van Vliet and they're very different players because he's just a better shooter. And I think just a better basketball player than Lin. But I think Lin will be great. And then once Fred Van Vliet comes back, then they just have this, they have an upgrade there because Dylan Wright, uh, we like, but he's not, he's, he's fine. You can move on from him. And Norman Powell's been kind of uh, an interesting resurgent guy for them with Nick Nurse running things versus what happened to him last year. It's very strange how that works, but um, I don't know. I'm surprised that Toronto is not number one in both. So right now, what would you guess their offensive and defensive rating is for the whole season? Oh, I don't care about that. I'm, I don't okay. care about number six when Boston actually. Well, I no, just care um, if both of the teams no, are in I know the top they're 10. Probably, That's I know they're all probably, I care about. Yeah, they're probably top, you know, uh, Toronto. I don't know. Toronto might not be top 10 in both. I they think, are top 10 in both. They're sixth in offense and eighth in defense. How about Milwaukee? Milwaukee. Let me pull that up. I'm going to guess Milwaukee's probably better with just the net rating. Like those kind of things would benefit them more than anything else. Yep. They're fourth in offense, first in defense. Ooh. So let me ask you, we're talking net rating since, since the Marcus Morris and Marcus Smart insertion, what do you think? Who do you think is the best net rating out of those three? Celtics. Oh, close. Milwaukee is number one, right over Golden State. And then Boston and Golden State are basically tied for number two at eight. Milwaukee leads the league since that date with an 8.7 net rating. Mm-hmm. Net rating 8.7 plus 8.7. And uh, Golden State's plus 8.6. And so is Boston. And then Toronto's way down at 10th at, okay. at plus 3.2. Are we just supposed to believe that Malcolm Brogdon and uh, Ersan Ilyasova can be two of your closing five guys and you make the finals? Uh- I'm with you with the Bucks, man. It's it's very much a regular season team, right? Where, Thank you for you know, joining me on this. I, Giannis, yeah. I knew that Giannis, Giannis does so much for that team, and he has a great piece around him. And this is the way people say, well, you should build around a star. But no, he needs another star. Uh, and Middleton's, Middleton's good. Middleton's good, you know, but he he's, you know, he, he has a, he's having like a kind of quote-unquote all-star quality season, but he's not a, no, he's Chris Milton. So, um, yeah, he definitely needs another big gun to come join him there. Like, imagine if you had Giannis and like a Paul George. You know what I mean? God. Yeah. I mean, my big thing I think about with Paul George this year is just with what he's doing. Um, I have a question. Is this a hot take? Uh, Victor Oladipo, before he went down, was he having a better season than Russell Westbrook for you? Um, He had kind of taken a half step back from last year, but probably because Russ offensively is such a mess as far as his shooting. Yeah. Uh, um, so probably it's it's it. You can say that. Yeah. Russ hadn't been having a great season. Now again, so much of what Russ is doing isn't predicated on offense efficiency, though. So it's hard to say that because, I mean, it's I, I'm not, I don't I don't care about the triple double. It's just the fact that Russ has actually scaled his game back a lot, and he's comfortable letting Paul George handle and maybe doing a little more things off ball, and he's playing the best defense of his career, but. 
Uh, yes. Okay. I, I won't. I won't quibble. I could say you could say yes. You could say yes that Victor Oladipo is having a better season. Okay, because Indiana is number two in defensive rating this year, which is eye popping to me. Um, mm-hmm. Would not guess that with when you're having to play guys like T.J. Leaf, Bogdanovich. I mean, Collison trying to be acclimated and care. Doug McDermott, Tyreek Evans, like the guys that they are playing, and for them to be second in defensive rating and also make they're dead last in three pointers made. And this team's just been really good. And I just wonder if Paul George had just gone back, it would have been the ultimate like screw job to Oklahoma City because of uh, what they gave up to get Paul George anyway. And then for him to just go back, um, which he could have done this offseason, which is what I rooted for. I was like, where would you place him in the pecking order right now? If Paul George had gone back and they're rolling with who Oladipo is this year with Miles Turner's development. Well, here's my thing. Oladipo wouldn't be who he is because Oladipo needs to, He's showing that he is very much a, and I don't know, maybe he would have meshed well with Paul George, but I, think I mean, he would have. I, I think Paul George is showing that, uh, and Oladipo is showing that he is a prime time. I, I want ball. I want the usage. I want the ball in my hands kind of guy. I'm not saying that he could put another star. Um, I don't know. That's an interesting. It's an interesting take. I don't know. Like, but it also, where, how far does a closing five of Miles Turner, Thad Young, Paul George, Wesley Matthews, and Victor Oladipo group go in the East this year. Uh, you could sell me on Eastern Conference Finals. Uh, the Cavs last year with no help. Oh, uh, it's it's tough to say, man, because so it much is. of it. Like, we'll never know. But I just think about like if Paul George had gone, like I think you can make the case that he should have gone back to Indiana if the choices no, were between Indiana and Oklahoma City. God, he'd be like he'd get more MVP love. Can you? Okay, so here's the thing. Yeah. Do you know why he left Indiana? They tried to force him to play power forward. Yeah. And and the GM, the not GM, what's what's Bird, the uh, like play the president of player, whatever basketball ops, Larry Bird, yeah, or and Kevin yeah, Pritchard, he, and, and he told him he's I don't pay him to make decisions. You know, he basically said I, he basically wasn't. Hey, he's a superstar, and he wouldn't treat him like a superstar. You know what I'm saying? So no, he he did make the right choice. He went to a franchise that actually valued him, and you know let him be himself. So that's fair. So how would you rank the f- top four in the East? This is something I want to come back to a little bit later. But as of right now, I, I've kind of gotten the sense of where you stand. Um, and now that we've pissed off every Bucks fan, um, in the no, sorry, <laughs> I'll, I'll say this: Giannis is awesome, and yeah, he should he's probably- MVP. I think Giannis is MVP. Uh, he's he definitely is a top two. Yes, I mean him and James Harden. I think still the front runners. Paul George is making a late charge. It's awesome, but uh, yeah, I think Giannis would be my vote if I had one right now. Um, so how would I rank them? In so terms the, of, and I think it, let me put throw this caveat out because I think this is the most important uh, way of thinking about this is most likely to get to the finals from one to four. Um. I would probably say I'm not trying to be unbiased here because I know Boston had disappointed, but like they went toe to toe with Golden State the other day. And I think if you look at the records against each other, I'm pretty sure Boston, when you, when you say like against the other top teams in the East, I'm pretty sure Boston, you know, they beat Philly. They've handled Toronto pretty well. They've handled, they lose Milwaukee one. I only lost one to Milwaukee. I thought they beat them another game. Um, so, I would have to give Toronto right now probably the slight edge, and then I go Boston, and then Milwaukee. And I mean, honestly, I might say, 
Yeah, I'm not too high on Philly yet. I got I got to see a little more from Philly as a as this new unit tries to gel. So I actually 100% agree. I think it goes one Toronto to Boston because I think there is another gear for them to hit. If Kyrie gets healthy, I can see them just going on a late season run where like, oh right, this team. I think this is a that's a distinct possibility. They just have too much depth. Um, Hayward like went six for eight from deep the other night and uh, is dunking again tonight. I don't know if you saw him almost fall on Blake Griffin earlier before we started recording. Um, which is terrifying. But I think they still just have another level to go on, and I'm 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 just not ready to write them out come playoff time. I think this team is going to be fine. I'm just terrified of the Sixers depth. And the weirdest thing about the Sixers too, is that Brett Brown before the trade deadline was talking about like how important depth is in today's NBA. And then his front office proceeded to deplete their depth even more to stack this starting five. Um, I, I just, I like their starting five. I just, I don't believe in it long-term. I think that at least one of these guys are gone after this year. I don't think that this works in the second round, I think they're a second round and out team. I just, I, it's hard for me to see it working and for them to stay healthy and for these guys to play 40 plus minutes a night in the playoffs and just not wither at some point. Um, Milwaukee is right above them. I think uh, we should mention um, Mirtich and what he'll do. Cause he'll probably be in that closing five. It'll be him and uh, Brooke Lopez. But then again, if you're going up against Toronto with that four and five matchup, they're going to, fucking pulverize them like they are they would be happy for you to pull some stuff like that and so would boston i think to some extent um but yeah and then toronto i just think that they have just an answer for every single possibility and i just i am waiting for Kawhi to be unleashed come playoff time i could be wrong but i think it's coming and i think their defense is going to kick it up another gear i think they're deep across the board and we've made jokes about their depth before but that depth matters when you have a superstar it doesn't matter as much when you have DeMar DeRozan and Kyle Lowry as your uh, go-to guys on a number one seat. That The depth just isn't as valuable at that point. But if you already have a star and you have a bunch of depth around them, that can go a long way. That's what the Bucks are still searching for, and that's why they're acquiring the mirror teachers of the world is they're still trying to surround Giannis with enough depth for him to survive in the playoffs, and I just don't think that's the case. And I think Boston and Toronto have the most depth of those four, and uh i don't know I, i'm that's that's where i'm at i think uh that's where we're gonna get to but then again those two teams are gonna knock the, knock one of the other out maybe depending on how the seating works but maybe they don't um but i will say this folks you're here to air first on the podcast james and i agree boston and toronto in the eastern conference finals i hope so it'd be it'd be a real knockdown drag out um I kind of like philly though i like the the ennis uh, they got ennis they got uh jonathan simmons so sure, it's not great depth, you know. But Furkan Korkmaz is playing for them. TJ McConnell is playing for them. So here's my th- look, TJ. If Boban's so, playing for them, no, I think the thing with Boban right now is that I think uh, Brett Brown just wants to see kind of what he has. Yeah, I don't he think has a big, he has a very large human on his team. Is what he has there. Yeah, so he gets like I mean, five rebounds in twelve minutes. He wasn't. He wasn't. Hey, he he made Al Horford look like a child. Yeah, it makes game. everybody look like a child. <laughs> so, um, who else they get? They got, but so, hey, TJ, if if people love Delhi as a backup, why not love TJ McConnell? Because so it's McConnell the same. Sucks. He doesn't. I mean, he he plays he plays hard defense. Oh god. He plays. Hey, I I don't like him. I wouldn't want him on my team. But like like he 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 actually like he kind of changed the tempo of the game last night against the Celtics. He knows he knows how to play. He's not he's he whatever. knows he, how to play. Is a very white guy cliche. He knows I don't know how, to, how play. to put it, man. I don't know how else to put. It. Hey, you know what? 
Hey, Brad Wanamaker knows how to play. Yeah, you know who else knows how to play? J.J. Redick. That guy just knows basketball. High basketball IQ, that guy. He's just a dead-eye shooter, and he'll he'll always have a place in the game. Um, But no, I I think – oh, what's my guy's name from the Clippers? Um, The power forward. Tobias Uh, Harris. No, Scott. Oh, Mike Scott, yes. He's been really good. I like Mike Scott a lot. So, And when you got four guys like Jimmy Butler, Tobias Harris, and Ben Simmons and Embiid, you can – you can always keep one or two of them on the floor. So that kind of changes everything. You know what I mean? So I get depth, but as long as you, if you keep one, two of those guys on the floor, and then you got uh, Scott, you got James Ennis, who has shown he can hit he can hit the open three and he can play defense. And then you got a guy like, I like Jonathan Simmons. Even though he's having a bad year. He, he had a down year considered, considering what we thought he was going to be. Um, but he, he, can, he's a, he can be on the court, and he's switchable, and he's, he's athletic. So, yeah. I mean, it's it's better than it's better than it was. I think their depth earlier in the season was really shallow. So, yeah. Well, uh, points for the plus minus per hundred possessions for TJ McConnell this year in a thousand minutes uh, minus five. Oh wow! All right. I mean, it and it is what it is, man. It's it. He's a backup point guard for a reason. I don't think he should be a backup. He should be like the. I, if there was a way to get Tomas Sanaransky or somebody like that on there, that's a real backup point guard, folks. Tomas Sanaransky, the guy who got buried for Ty Lawson in the playoffs last year for unexplained reasons to this point um, by Scott Brooks. But, oh, because um, the Wizards were yeah, yeah, he saved their season. I don't know if you watched a lot of second-half Wizards uh, coverage last year with uh, John Wall out the first time. That group with Beal and Sanaransky in the backcourt and Porter shooting 40% from three, they were fun. They were good. That was a really good team. Yeah, I don't know about really good. They were good, man. They almost beat the Raptors in round one again. I mean, eh, it's about matchups. I know. That team is built for the playoffs. Unfortunately, it's not going to happen, and Bradley Beal needs to get out of Washington because, good God, it's just awful there. Um, So I want to talk about something that I read on Real GM today. It was a good piece on the difficulty of getting – a superstar in free agency and it kind of outs the lines like the Knicks clearing cap space and uh, the Clippers are clearing cap space. We look at all these different teams that are clearing cap space. Then you have teams like the Bulls who are just saying, fuck it. We're just going to sign out. We're going to trade for auto Porter and let that just get, we know we're not getting anybody. We've learned our lesson from the LeBron sweepstakes from everything else. So, like we know no one wants to come here anytime soon. It's a dumpster fire right now. Um, let's just use our cap money on guys who we know are good at basketball and can help our young guys because they do like auto Porter is good for your young guys because they can learn off of him. He makes things easier for them, that kind of stuff. Um, so I'm very pro playing, uh, paying for veterans. Like that's why it's okay. If the Hawks keep Bazemore and Vince Carter and guys like that, like it's, it's really good to have competent veterans who can still play and eat up a lot of your cap when you're bad and rebuilding, because ultimately just doing the Sixers thing of just not paying veterans and then just having a bunch of G leaguers along with some potential all-stars is just a, a recipe for disaster. And it's just not something that I'm here for. Baseball is struggling with it right now with a third of baseball teams just not trying and refusing to sign even superstars uh, for still undetermined reasons. Um, but I, I do think it's interesting because ultimately at least one of these teams are going to strike out in horrid fashion and they're going to pay somebody like Jimmy Butler is going to get some ridiculous contract from either the Knicks or from the Clippers, like it's going to happen. These teams that open up this much cap space—you don't think you don't think Philly's going to pay Jimmy Butler? He's I don't gone. think Jimmy Butler's going to want to stay in Philly. So I think that's the bigger issue. Good call. 
I think they're willing to because of what they gave up for him. They gave up depth and because they need him now, especially with the Markel Fultz being over. Like, I, I don't think I'd feel great if I was a Philly fan going into the next couple of years, especially when Magic Johnson's already <laughs> tampering with Ben Simmons. Uh, I, I would be nervous, especially with Joel Embiid's health and all that kind of stuff. Like, there's just so many different things that I just, I don't see Jimmy Butler signing up for like five years of Brett Brown. It, that just doesn't seem likely. Um, so I think he's gone. I think Tobias stays and they pay him. But I think Jimmy Butler just says no and goes somewhere else. I was listening to uh, the Rice and Ricky Sanchez pod, and I think they're saying if they wanted to – was that them saying – some of saying if they wanted to pay all four, Jimmy Butler, Ben Simmons, Tobias, and, and, uh, and you know, the whole, the whole gang, that they would have to – they'd be over the tax with just those four guys. And that doesn't even include JJ, who you can make the case has been their most important player this year. Like, he has all-star buzz. For a reason, like JJ's numbers with him in all these different lineups and wh- how good he is in his role, he's on a one-year deal. They yeah, about him. he's awesome. He's awesome in his role, and it, he reminds me of Kyle Korver on that Atlanta team. Yeah, right. Where he was, he was important because his shooting and his, you know, he runs around and he he keeps the defense engaged and bending. So that's awesome. But um, yeah, yeah, he he, they paid him really well that one year. Um, and they but he's on a one-year him. deal. You have to bring him back. I don't know if you're going to find someone in free agency better than JJ to fill that spot. And you're trying to win a title now. You got to pay your stars. And, you know, once you're paying your stars, you might not be able to pay the JJ. fifth most yeah. guy, JJ. You're not, you're not, you're not going to be able to really pay him. So it, he probably, so then he what probably do you have, do? Uh, you have to hope that, you know, some of your other Avery shooting. Bradley? <laughs> oh my God. I don't know what you do, but I think they're in. I, I just Philly is going to have a very, very interesting offseason, and I'm pretty dubious. Let about me say this: I, I actually kind of did a fist pump when Avery Bradley got traded from the Celtics, and I had to listen to people tell me that the Celtics defense would fall apart because he was such a great defender and he meant so much to the team. Avery Bradley's not that good. He's just not that good. It's interesting he, because he's one of those guys that there's a disconnect between like the way we see games and see players versus the way players see players because like i think if you ask all these different nba guys like who's one of the best on ball defenders in the nba most would say like avery bradley his name would pop up but the numbers have never really backed that up the defense have always been worse with him on the floor and you're just like i'll say that if you if you have a small point guard who is not even dame you have a smaller a smallish point guard and you need somebody to defend him one-on-one and you know the end of a game, sure, give me a Bradley. But as far as team defense and and uh, switch on the bigger guys and everything like that, no. And that's where that's what disconnect is. You, and you watch him; he's playing hard defense, and he's, he's playing good defense, solid one on one textbook defense. But then you run through screens, and you you know you, you get him switching, or you get him in the off ball. He's just not he's not a great team defender, and he's he's you put him on a bigger guy, and he's toast. So. So yeah, that's where the disconnect is. I think sure it, he is, he's a, he has a niche defensive skill, and he's really good at that thing. That's awesome. But um, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but that's Philly, and they're a separate conversation altogether. My thing that I just think is so interesting is, I think this is true. Where trading for a James Harden, trading for an Anthony Davis, trading for one of those unhappy superstars, Paul George, whoever. That seems like the new thing to do. Um, and it's a better bet if you're a fan. Like, Because remember how much we all killed the Knicks for trading for Carmelo and the Nets for ch- trading for Darren Williams? Of like, oh, why couldn't they just sign him in free agency and not give up the assets? But 
you just never know how free agency goes. And that was like the point of this piece is like, there's not a bigger risk in sports than, especially in the NBA, than going this route where you just clear a bunch of cast base. You don't have any more interesting long-term pieces to surround them. You just have this wide open net. The problem is you end up like Dallas Mavericks from the last couple of years. And then you're just like, oh, what the hell? And then they thankfully stumbled into Luka Doncic, but that wasn't a sure thing because they had to trade up in the draft to get him. Um, I, I think... It's so interesting looking at these two teams because I think the Clippers obviously are a much better organization and I would bet on them more than anything else. And if Kevin Durant picks to build his own team in New York versus uh, LA and with, with the Clippers, I mean, it's just, what what are you doing, my guy? Um, I, I just, I don't think the Knicks are going to do this. And I think if I had to bet on infrastructures, I'm like, oh my God, the Knicks fans are talking themselves into this. They've lost 17 in a row. We might get Zion, Kevin Durant, Kyrie. No, what? This is the Knicks. How do we do this? Like this idea that they're going to clear all this cash space. It's already hard enough to sign one superstar. Like what Miami did when they signed LeBron James and Chris Bosh. And like a lot of that had to do with like the Knicks. We learned fumbling that and the Donnie Walsh weird stuff. Chicago being involved. They cleared cash space. They ended up with Carlos Boozer and Derrick Rose. That's mm-hmm. how it ended. Like it, it just goes badly for most of those teams. Where it hasn't gone bad in the last couple of years are the teams that get ahead of the game and trade for these guys early. Toronto, trading for Kawhi, just saying, we're going to go for it now. Oklahoma City, trading for Paul George, not waiting it out. I think that's, that's, the, that's why the Lakers have even adjusted, though. Like That's why they're going after Anthony Davis wait. now. I was waiting for you to bring up the Lakers. They're, they're the prime example. You know, every year they're like, oh, why trade for that guy? We can just give him a free agency. And they got nobody in free agency. So they couldn't get him yeah, in with it, Lamar or they screwed up the Lamarcus Aldridge stuff to the they, point where he gave them another pity meeting. Yeah. Um, so here's the thing uh, about trading for that superstar. Like you said, I'm not going to the metal thing was just dumb because they gave up so much for him. But I get it. And he already made it clear. I want to go to New York. So that was kind of whatever. Um Here's the thing about trading for that superstar. You get him in your system. You get him steeped in your culture. You get to start making, you know, he sees all all the uh, the perks he's going to get. He sees that that you're truly trying, and he gets comfortable. That's what happened with Paul George, right? Paul George got comfortable. He didn't want to go to Oklahoma City. He probably was like, all right, cool. I'll go mess with Russ for a year and go to Los Angeles. He, he was hell-bent. He, he fell in love with the franchise. They yeah. made him feel at home. That matters, man. That matters so much, though. So. Um. The Lakers tried very heavy handedly to get Anthony Davis to do that. And, you know, that's that's just not that's I'm not sure. I guess we got to give Magic and uh, Palenka some more time, but I'm I'm not a fan of theirs so far. They're doing everything. It seems like they they say the right things, but I don't know if they're. Wait, hold on. Does Rob Palenka say the right things? Because I there's a lot of mounting evidence that he does not say the right things very often. Um, I'm saying as far as like to the to the cameras, as far as they have that Lakers exceptionalism attitude, right? You know, chest out with Lakers. We're going to. Yeah. But obviously it's it's just it hasn't worked so far, you know. So, um, yeah. So, I mean, like you said, they were smart to actually try to get behind it and say, we're going to we're going to. Uh, you know, trade for Anthony Davis. That was smart. That's the only thing you really have to, you really can do. The Lakers of all would just been like, we'll get him in a year and a half. Why wouldn't you come yeah. to the Lakers? We'll get him out right. It's like, well, no, someone else is going to pout. Someone else is going to do something and he's going to get traded. To, like the Spurs swoop in and get him. And then he's in that culture and he's like, yeah, why would I ever leave here? And then they have the next Tim Duncan. Like that is going to keep happening. I think with these smaller markets that are like, 
we're building the right way. We're developing these young pieces that we can one day flip for a top 10 star. Like that's, that's the thing. And I think ultimately that's how you, that's a better strategy. I mean, I still think the best is doing it through the draft, uh, but you could sell me on just not even just building through the draft, but just developing what you have over the next couple of years and maintaining some level of financial flexibility, but also investing in veterans that can help those young guys develop to where you can one day flip them for a Paul George, for Kawhi Leonard. Because, I mean, it's just, it's one of those things that I think has changed over the last couple of years in the NBA. And I think the worst way to go about it is clear cap space, clear your roster, do all this stuff, and then just be like, all right, build your own team. Come here. Like that's, I would be terrified if I was a fan of any of these franchises right now because at least 66% of these teams that are clearing all this cap room are going to end up with some awful contracts this summer. Just awful. Like we've seen this. 80%. Yeah. 80%. And these fans, like the thing is, they're just like, well, we don't know. We might not be the one. It's like, chances are you are. Like chances are you're, this is going to end very badly for you. Yeah, and that's the thing, right? I mean, it's, if it was a video game, sure, you clear the class base, and then boom, you got your guy. In this case, it's it's definitely. I mean, players aren't dumb. They see they see that you know, the, like the Knicks front office had seemed to be doing better, and you know, then Porzingis doesn't want to be there, and they kind of just you know out of the blue kind of move him. That was kind of weird. And this is like you said, it's the Knicks. Why would you know? I love I love a young boy Kevin Knox and you know they they have some interesting pieces Frank uh, Frankie Smokes is supposed to be okay but I mean why would you go play there you know even if even if Kevin Durant and Kyrie talk why would you want to go play do you trust that franchise to do the right thing for the next six years of your career you know so they know uh, like you said the Clippers definitely the Clippers more than anybody I think are in the uh, the driver's seat in the free agency market next summer because they're showing competence. They're showing, you know, they're establishing a culture of toughness. Absolutely. Absolutely. You're not getting Clay Thompson. He's available. Lakers, like, that's not happening. You look at Tobias Harris. He's getting the max from somebody. Someone's going to do something really dumb. Your team most likely is going to do something dumb for Rubio or Thad Young. Nikola Vucevic is probably the king of this. Like, some team is going to do something very stupid for Vucevic. And mm. we're all going to be like, what the hell? Kimba is a dark horse. If Charlotte's just like, it's just too much, we can't do it. And someone else is going to do it. And you're like, oh God, oh no, w- what is happening? Um, it's just, it, we know this happens. Teams are going to have, you have to use that cap space on somebody. And not everybody gets Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. It's not yeah. how it works. And then you expecting your team to get two top 10 players in the same summer? That happens like once a decade, if that. Yeah, so it'll be an interesting summer, man. It's gonna be very. It's, it all. It's all gonna start with you know. Let's see what Kevin Durant does. I I don't know, man. I can't imagine. Kevin I think Durant Ray not Ma- picking the Clippers is insane to me. That's the that's the choice. He's the n- best player in franchise history. Immediately, it's his team, his culture, his everything. You have Ballmer, the other billionaire, because Kevin's so into all of that now. He gets to go to L.A. from San Francisco. He's not that far away from his, all from Postmates headquarters. All that great stuff. That's that's the play. Like Kevin Durant picking the Knicks is absolutely fucking mind-boggling to me. I just no. So you think he's gone? Yeah, I do. Because I also don't think they're winning the title. So I, I don't see how he comes back, especially if they don't win the title. Spicy. Hmm. They're just not. This team's not winning the title. 
Um, huh. I thought I still think that the prohibitive favorites, just for the simple fact, sure, their depth is 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 hot hot trash. But when you got talent like like Kevin Durant and Steph Curry, and then you know to lesser extent Clay Thompson and Draymond, it's 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 really hard to beat them seven times. That's all. It's, it's, it's going to be really hard, but it's going to happen, folks. I've said this before the season: the Raptors winning the title this year. Like that's happening. Kawhi staying, and they they're winning the title. Hmm. My, my thing with the Raptors is that normally a team that gets to the, you know, gets to the mountaintop, they've they've at least been halfway there a couple of times and they've kind of earned their lumps. I don't know if the Raptors. Sure. Continuity is great. They have a lot of guys who've been there for a while. And Kyle Lowry, we know, is a vet and Kawhi is great. But I, I just don't I don't know if I trust some of those other guys on that big stage when it comes down to it, because we they haven't they just haven't been there, you know, so I get it. That's a good call. Um, I, I still think we're going to see a Golden State Boston, and that's my that's the fan of me. I think the Celtics have, you know, they, the guys have the young guys have experience. They have vets like Al Horford and Kyrie. They, I just think Tice. Uh, it's you laugh about it. Dan Tice is uh, he's been a great piece for them. He's good for them. He's a good box score guy to look at. You're like this guy. He he's always in the rotation. He does good stuff for them. He's always a plus. He's, he gets he's banged around my he gets banged around my big big hulking centers, but he can shoot the three. Uh, he was, you know, I mean, I know you've heard the the announcer say it. He was a defensive player of the year overseas. He's a quality player. He actually is. And like you said, that's one issue with Boston. He, I mean, he probably won't even be in the rotation playoff time for that simple fact. You're going to cut your rotation down to like eight or nine, which is good for Boston. Absolutely, they're going to have to. You know, they're going to have, to, and it's going. We know who the eight or nine is going to be, right? Gordon Hayward, uh, the starting five plus Gordon Hayward and Jalen Brown. And Are we Aaron sure Bay. the starting five will be the same in the playoffs? Well, my point is just that the people. Uh, no, I'm just they, asking. I'm I'm curious. No, no, no. He's not afraid not to all. move it around, and I wonder if he keeps the Morris stuff going, like maybe to keep him motivated. But like, it would be interesting to see if he keeps him and Smart in the in the playoffs in the starting five. Now, here's something. Uh, I listened to my my guy Spike Eskin over at the Rights and Rich, Ricky Sanchez, and they they of course hate the Celtics, mm-hmm. but they did bring up something. And they're no, they're concerned trolling, obviously, when they say stuff like this, but. The Celtics do seem to play a lot more cohesively, um, a lot more consistently. And it's it sucks with Kyrie out, you know, like like last night against. And I'm not saying it's not. It's obviously their better team. Kyrie raises the ceiling exponentially for that team. But maybe there's something to it where it's almost like with with Kawhi in Toronto, because guess what? They run a nice offense. But when it's Kawhi time, it's Kawhi time. He's just icing up. Right. We've seen that. Same thing with Boston. Right. It's. They, they try to run their offense, keep it moving, and, and, you know, Kyrie plays along. But then, you know, close game, towards the end, he's going to get the ball. He's going to go into ISO. It's two, It's almost like two different offenses. And it's not even, you know? they don't even have to just do him if he doesn't have it that night. You still have Tatum. I, my, my, my point is... You still have Hayward, I, potentially. Uh, no, I, I, my point is Kyrie's the best player on that team. Yeah. And he's trying so hard to be a leader. I wonder if there is not, not animosity, but you know, maybe the, there seems to be a, a, a different energy around Boston this year. And I'm not sure, you know, Marcus the, the main seems to think so. Well, no, I think so too, just from watching them, you know, it's, it's absolutely true. And so you don't think people are just making too much of this team, just kind of not having as many wins as they, we all expected before the season. It's or, not about some expected, not myself, um, as we noted on this podcast, um, not myself, but uh, continue. It's not even about the wins. It's about the fact that, uh, you know, just 
like like that that trip they had again in uh when they went down to uh my they went down to Florida and they they got housed by Orlando and they they lost to the Heat like those kind of inex- and and like just watching them play like they're just walking through the motions and this team is not good enough or experienced enough to be saying oh they're just bored because they're not bored they're they're trying you know Kyrie goes down and they blow a you know a twenty something twenty eight point lead to the Lakers because Lakers just played harder and played mm-hmm. together. You know, Clippers. They they should have, they were up on the Clippers big, and they they lose the Clippers because they just don't play together. You know, so I don't know. It's interesting to see, and maybe we're making too much of it. Maybe after the All Star break, they come back, they hit a switch, and they get in the groove, and they 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 start blowing teams out. So we'll see. What is the best five they can throw at Milwaukee in a second round series? Um, I still really believe in in the five of Al Horford, uh, Jalen, Gordon, uh, Marcus Smart. Well, it's Kyrie, Tatum. It's it tricky here. No, no, their best—that's their best five. It's, it's Kyrie. So no Tatum. No Kyrie, Tatum, Kyrie, Jalen, Jason, and if Gordon gets back up to where he's supposed to be, and then Al Horford. If Gordon's still screwing around, um, then you you slide you play smart in there up front with uh, Kyrie. So it's Kyrie, Marcus, then Jalen, Jason, and uh, and Al Horford at center. Hmm. absolutely that team that that's that's the lineup i've been i'm you know that's I, I, my, my favorite lineup and i get it uh jalen you know he's found his footing some so are you surprised uh, that jalen struggles this year no i'm not and this is my thing with him uh from last year i see some guys just aren't meant to be low usage like terry terry rosier is an example of this to me he's he he, he he's just better as a starter he's just more relaxed he gets minutes. They're gonna. These guys aren't wildly efficient, but guess what? When they get to a rhythm, they can really play. And when you tell them you're only playing 20 minutes a night, you can tell that they they want to help so bad. They kind of press, and they just don't. It, they don't. They, it's hard for them to fit in a box. I think Victor Oladipo was kind of like that, right? And I'm not saying he would have. You know, if you just turn him loose from the get go, he'd have been a different player. He obviously needed to change some other things too, but. Like some guys just aren't meant to be 15, 18 minute games a night guys. And if they're not good enough to be that guy, then, you know, they won't last in the NBA. But yeah, so I'm not saying that Jalen will always be like that. But, you know, he went from last season playing 33 minutes a game to now just not knowing where his, like the game against, uh, they lost to the Lakers. Jalen had been playing great. And for some reason, Brad Stevens, you know, didn't close, didn't close with him in the lineup. And, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know. So I'm, I'm a little, I'm, I'm not shocked that he's not really had to break out because he just, that's just not his role right now. So I'm surprised they didn't do something else. Like, I'm just a little surprised that like Terry Rozier was the guy who made the most sense to just finally move on from. Um, I, I guess with the uncertainty surrounding, Kyrie this summer you that maybe that's the rationale behind keeping him but I just tinkering with something like just because of how the first half of the season went and well, I've heard that they, yeah go ahead go ahead I was gonna say I respect this by Danny Ainge. he doesn't tinker like he doesn't make right like this is the plan that's been in the works for years right so he's not going to suddenly turn around now and just and make a panic move Patience is key. Uh, that team got to the you know one game from the finals last year. He knows how talented Terry Rozier is. I mean, even now, Rozier struggled for the most part for the season, but he's had games where he's you know he's, he's been great. And having a guy like that off the bench, explosive like that, that you can trust and it's part of your continuity, that matters. 
that's why he has it, you know, so. Well, I have a question. If you were posed with the opportunity to flip prior to the deadline, we don't know if this was available, but there were two different options that I was thinking about with Terry Rozier and what they could have done to kind of kind of balance their roster out a little bit more and maybe give them another look. Cause I just don't think there's a way Terry Rozier plays in crunch time with any of these lineups against any of these good teams. So it's like, could you find something else? Could you turn Terry Rozier into two rotation guys where one of them has a better shot of playing in crunch time? And the thing I keep coming back to was like, I don't know if Orlando would have done it, but if you could have, and obviously with Fournier's salary, it's a little bit more complicated, but I would have looked to see if I could find a way for Fournier and DJ Augustine for Rozier. That would have been something I would have targeted if I was Boston. I think Fournier would be really good with them. And then DJ Augustine's been really good. At the on-off numbers with Augustine in Orlando. Like, their offense, I believe, is 12th. Hey, let's, let's, let's go back to that on-off thing about Terrell with uh, DJ Augustine. DJ Augustine, obviously, is not a starting point guard. Right? Uh, like, he is in Orlando, sir. They have, like, the 12th best offense um, in the NBA when he plays. Okay, he is not a starting point guard. He's a backup point guard. You nothing. He is. You cannot convince me that DJ Augustine is a just, starter quality point guard. I love DJ Augustine. That dude's gonna I, be a good point guard for seventeen years. That's that's fine. If you're talking about a team like Boston, no, thank you. He's fine. He's fine okay. where he's at. Um, and yeah, I like Fournier's game. He has a nice floor game. He can he can actually handle the ball. But like you just said, man, that's that salary. Boston. I, I get it. They're supposed to be contenders. I don't think you go and pay the tax for for uh D. augustine and and freaking fournier so yeah i wish it, it just it, i wish fournier made less like if they could have gotten because i just he's so good and i think he's such a smart player and he he was so, cats I, and everything he would be so much fun i think boston you know from what even what happened last season i know that you know danny we know danny age isn't nostalgic but i still think you don't you know you go all they're all in for this season and even though things have changed around them and we know they're not quite, you know, they're not as dominant as we thought they would be, you still go on. And Terry Rozier was a big part of last season. And so, uh, I don't know. I don't know. I, I like I liked Evan Fournier, right? But he's been playing for a bad team for how many years now? Uh, one 37. Thing. Yeah, exactly. You know? Uh, so, I, I mean, how does that he, – he's been a looter in the riot for the last few years, which is, you know, great numbers for a bad team. I don't know. I don't know. So let's say, let's fast forward a little bit with Boston. Um, it is November, 2019. I'm going to list these names and you're going to tell me if they're still a Celtic by this time. You ready? Let's go. Terry Rozier. No, he's gone. Jalen Brown. Jalen is there. Al Horford. He's there. Jason Tatum. Ooh. I don't think the I don't think the the brow deal is ever going to happen, man. So I think he's still there. Gordon Hayward. There, makes too much money. No, no one's taking that contract unless he shows a. He'd have to show a ton in the playoffs to be movable. Kyrie Irving. Kyrie's there. So Kyrie, but no AD after the summer. I think so, man. Um, I That'd think be uh, weird. I haven't really heard of that one as like the most as a you know what possibility. I, I don't. So here's the thing. Why is that weird? Like, I, I get that Brow was the the, the Brow was the the goal. If his team is really making it, if his his camp is really making it known, we're not we don't want to go to Boston. We're not resigning there. Then you know Danny Ainge has to has to really think: Do, do I give up all these assets? Because you're right. If in, in another timeline, if they save for Brow, I think I think Tatum's gone. 
and I think Jalen Brown's gone. And um, I mean, do you have to move Al for the money to work? I don't think so. Well, my thing with Al is like, do you get off this before the contract gets worse? Because he's he's still really good, but I just the injuries. I I, I don't know. He seems like he's already trending you, the opposite way. Did you watch him? Did you not watch him play games with Embiid uh, the other night? Mm-hmm. I did. Okay, because I mean that's the kind of player he is. I mean, it's. I think I don't think he's trending the other way. I think he's actually kind of playing possum this season. Like he's he, okay. he kind of he kind of coasts a little bit. You know I mean, I let's see. Thirty-two, I think. Thirty. I just think he turns thirty-three this summer. Yes, yeah, so I. He just can't. I mean, he he's not going to go full bore all the time. And I also wonder if maybe Brad Stevens needs to tweak his offense, where it is a lot more Al Horford handling and making decisions than than Kyrie and freewheeling, you know, and 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 ball sharing because that's when they're at the best. I think when Al Al's making your decision at the high post and top of the key, so. Um, either way, uh, yeah, I think, I think, sure, he does have some, he has knee issues and it, it kind of, but I also do think he's kind of conserving his energy. We saw, we see against games like, like the Celtic, uh, I'm sorry, the Golden State game and the Philly game, big games, he's ready to roll. He's ready to roll, so. Okay. But, um, yes, he's going to opt in. I don't see him opting out of that money unless a team or Boston convinces him, hey, opt out. We'll give you less per year, but long term, take care of you. So, I think um, you call Anthony Davis's bluff on the not like it goes back to what we were talking about at the top of the podcast. <laughs> like his dad saying whatever, and Kawhi is like, per, like wasn't there a bunch of weird stuff in Kawhi before he got traded to Toronto, and like just how unhappy the camp was to send him to the north and all this other stuff, and he wanted to be by the beach in L.A. and blah blah blah, and they moved him over. And um, I mean, Paul George, like it was apparently like the worst kept secret that he was going to leave OKC for LA the first chance he got and that OKC was dumb for trading for him. And then he resigns like Anthony Davis Jr. saying what he said doesn't matter to me at all. Do you think Kawhi stays in Toronto? I think it depends on how the season goes. If they get bounced in the second round, no. If he makes the finals, he stays? Yes. Okay. If he wins the finals, he's not leaving. That does not happen. That is not... Yeah. What did they, they lose in the Eastern Conference Finals? He's gone. Okay. I think so it's a finals, finals are bust thing for him. It would be a really bad look for him to leave the Finals team. I, I don't think with his image and what happened in San Antonio, for him to get to the Finals, play the Warriors, and obviously if they get there and they lose in like seven, but he just goes balls to the wall and is makes the case. Remember that year where LeBron was really the MVP in the finals, but they couldn't give it to him because they lost. If Kawhi has that kind of NBA finals experience, which is definitely in play and they lose. Is it? I think it's in play. Yeah. You can see it. I could see Kai, uh, Kai, uh, Kawhi going it's like not, 32, not, eight and eight. Oof. Uh, just putting the team on his back and doing everything no, he possibly all, can to slow this Kawhi team down. Kawhi averaging eight assists a game is hilarious. So that'll never happen. Okay. I think he's going to bring the ball. I think I'm telling you, like come playoff time, Nick Nurse is going to unload the I'm here Kawhi Leonard clip. Not, it's he, coming. He's just not, he is not a playmaker like that. It's just not who he is. That's why it's hilarious to me. He's, no, you'll he never might average eight steals. Maybe that's where he gets to. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, I mean, I mean, yeah, but still you're unleashing him against a team with, Kevin Durant. So. Right, that's what I'm saying. It's like they won't have an answer for Steph. Like, 
basically it will just be like Steph going off and he's the difference maker for them where it's like Kyle Lowry and Danny Green and friends just can't. Well, no, it's it's going to be KD again because what they do is, as you know, they'll double team Steph as soon as he crosses half court and make him give the ball up. Yeah. Then, then you got Kevin Durant. Uh, well, well, you're right then. You have Kawhi. You have guys who can throw at him. OG and Anobi, like they have guys they can throw at Durant. I, they don't have guys they can throw at Steph. Well, they will. They, they're throwing two at him. We, that's how. That's a, that's what. That's why. That's why Steph Curry will never win a Finals MVP. That's true. Or him just never being fully healthy when he gets there. It seems like. Maybe that's the uh, last he, couple years. I think it was healthy last, last time. Was healthy. It's just the fact that yeah, they they just decided we're gonna we're gonna swarm him the minute he crosses half court. We're gonna have, keep two on him all the time. And that allowed Kevin Durant just to single up and play one-on-one against LeBron James, which was a, a domination. So well, the other thing too, is like Draymond, if him just averaging six points a game and him just not shooting threes anymore, um, if that becomes like too much of a liability in the finals versus someone like Toronto where they can't hide him and they just, no matter what he brings as a playmaker, it just, what if they close with Boogie and Andre and KD and not Draymond? Can you imagine? Like there's just so many different variables that I'm just ready for. I just, I, I don't like, all the different um, just the items in the in the pot right now for Golden State come playoff time. I think there's just too many different uncomfortable variables that just tell me that something's not going to go right, and one of these teams is going to pounce. And I uh, I think it's Toronto. They just I, I can't move off, and I'm not moving off after eight months of pushing the Toronto um, PR push. But um, yeah, I I just I can't get over it. I mean, it's definitely more likely after the move they make, and you know, I, you know what? I'm not even high on the Marcus all that high on the Marcus all move, but yeah, getting uh, Jeremy Lin helps, and Kawhi is awesome. He is. He's you know in, in the running for top two, top three player in the league. I get it. I still don't really trust Kyle Lowry in the playoffs, but it's not because like nothing mental. It's just, it, I mean, it, did it, is it? Wasn't he already sitting with injuries already? Uh, I don't think so. I think Kyle Lowry's been pretty healthy this year. He's played in, yeah, he's played in 46 games. Out of how many? Uh, what is it? 56? I think they're just being careful with him. I think Kawhi's only played 43. Yeah, so he's only played 43. Um, Green and Pascal are the other ones that are really running into the ground right now. But, um, yeah, Kyle Lowry's only shooting 33% from three this year. He has been great. No, nah, he missed a, a Kawhi big block. Kawhi's averaging 27, 7, 3, 2, and he's shooting eight free throws a game. He's shooting 36%. From, like, he's not at full strength, and he's already close to 30 a night. He's averaging at least 30 in the playoffs. I think 30, 10, and 5, and 4 is something that's definitely in the cards for him. I'm just looking from December 12th until January 6th. Your boy... Uh, your boy Kyle Lowry didn't play one game. He was dealing with the injury. He had to be one, two. Yeah, he missed. He missed like a big chunk of games. He came back for one game and he missed like four or five more games. So he he was dealing with something earlier this season. I, I don't remember what it was, but um, can I tell you no, what I, uh, the offensive rating and defensive rating for uh, the Raptors when Kawhi Leonard on the floor for them? Uh, what is it? It's hundred twenty-one. <laughs> offensive rating uh when Kawhi Leonard's on the floor uh for the uh the Raptors per 100 possessions and their uh defensive rating best on the team is 105. They're plus 16. Yeah, he's great, man. He's he's incredible. If he's I'm healthy, they're winning the East, folks. Kawhi Leonard, my MVP every year. Kawhi Leonard, 
the freakish hands, the freakish steals. You have no answer for him. He hits game winners in really weird, it's, awkward uh, ways. What's Giannis's uh what's Giannis's offensive director? Doesn't right? matter. He doesn't shoot outside the paint. Doesn't matter. Says I'm going full anti Giannis. No, I'm not. Giannis is great, but um let me pull it up real quick. No, it doesn't, it doesn't really matter because again, like you said, in the playoffs they're gonna just they're gonna Giannis load up is on not Giannis. as good. His defense is better, but the offense is one nineteen. So uh, a few points back. But the defense is significantly better. Ninety eight. How about Jesus uh, Christ? Ninety eight defensive rating per hundred possessions when he's on the floor. I get it, man. He's a they're, they're, these guys are different kind of animals. There's right now. I think you know we're talking superstars in the league. It's it's LeBron still there because of the sheer talent. Um, even though he doesn't really play defense anymore. Then you got Steph, obviously. You got KD, and then I think right now, right now, Paul George is playing like a superstar. I know he's not in the you know perennial superstar, but right now Paul George has been playing like a superstar this season. And uh, who could not look at Giannis shooting twenty two percent from three? Don't eat. They, what I think Russ shot like twenty eight percent. No, I think the year he won MVP, Russ actually. I think he was a little, a little bit better. It wasn't league average, but it was like thirty or thirty one. I want to say right. Nah, I think it was like thirty four percent MVP season. Seriously, was it really? Yeah, it was up there. It was like. And he was shooting like six a game or something. Was it sixteen or fifteen? Uh, I think it was fifteen, right? Sixteen. Because oh. then Harden won the year after, and then yeah, because he averaged thirty-one, ten, and ten. Let's see, I have to know this because I feel like there's no way that year he did. He got to thirty-four. I don't know if he's ever shot thirty-four percent from three. Hey, look at it, man. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm full of crap. Let me see. This is compelling radio. Compelling podcast. Holy shit. 34%. And would you like to guess every other year in that five-year span? Probably under 30. This year, 24. The Mm -hmm. year before, 29. That The MVP year, 34. 29. um, The year before the MVP, 29. 30. 30. Like, just... it. Why did he go 30? And he shot more. He shot seven threes a game that year. And he's shooting about four a game ever since. Yep. He shot better with more attempts. Who does that? I mean, that's that's why when people say you know Rusty deserved that year. He he was out of his gourd. He was just out of his mind, and he definitely deserved MVP that year. I think. I can't believe so, he he. I mean, god damn! I didn't realize yeah. he shot thirty four percent from that three that year. That's so weird. And it's so weird that that's like where it's like wow he shot thirty four percent when that would be like if Steph shot thirty four percent for a month we'd be like what the hell's wrong with Steph Curry? Hmm. Yeah. I, I yeah, it's it's wild. Um, last thing, and then we'll go. Um, I want to do quickly some winners and losers now that the dust has settled. The buyout market's basically done. Um, give me your. Let's do first. Give me the winners that stand out to you from the trade deadline. Uh, let's see, winners of the trade deadline. Um, now I'm drawing a blank. You, you told me about this before the show, and I should have had it all set in my mind. Um, how, let's let's reformat it. How about you? You you tell me the trade, and I'll see, we tell me the trade, and I'll see. Who how about I'll just give you my teams that I think won, and you can uh add in stuff um <laughs> based on whether you th- you agree with me. How about that? Yay, that works. Okay, winners. We'll we'll do the winners first because I'm excited about the losers because I bought more losers. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the Raptors won the trade deadline by getting Mark Gasol and not having to give up much at all. Like getting Mike Conley and Marcus all would have been insane and amazing, but that's just almost impossible to pull off with the contracts and everything else. So them getting Marcus all 
and not having to surrender much depth at all. Only having to get up Jonas Valanciunas, Dylan Wright, and uh, CJ Miles. Just huge win for them. Um, and I think it kind of, it was like the answer we were all waiting for after the Sixers traded for Tobias and, um, the Bucks traded for Miritich. We're like, okay, well, Masai's going to one up both of these teams. We know this is how he works. He's waiting in the wings. And then he just, uh, fleeces Memphis and Chris Wallace for Mark Gasol. Um, the Clippers, I do think deserve credit for what they got for Tobias Harris. Um, getting more picks. They've cleared the books. They still have Shea Gilgis Alexander. They still have Montrezl Harrell. They still have some interesting pieces to surround um, potentially Kevin Durant and someone else with. I think the Clippers deserve credit for right now. But like I said at the top of the show, could easily see this summer turning into an absolute dumpster fire for them because there's just no one for them to fill that cap space with um, because Kevin Durant and Kyrie might choose New York. Then what? You pay Jimmy Butler? and you paid Tobias Harris to come back? Like, what? You get half of the current Sixers? Like, that's what you built up? That's what you signed Lee Jenkins for? Um, then you have the Bucks. I think they won. By getting Miritich, I think they needed to do a little bit more, but I think they're winners by just adding and adding and adding. They deserve credit. The Kings! Who knew? Vladi Divac could do some good stuff. I, I like Harrison Barnes for them. I like that they have a lot of different facets to their team now. I think they should have traded Willie Cauley-Stein. Like, there's still some weird big guy stuff with that team. But, like, I think Harrison Barnes being on this team down the stretch, like, they're in the driver's seat for that number one bloodbath at the hands of the Golden State Warriors. So, shout out to them for being in a position to steal the Lakers' playoff spot, which a lot of interesting layers there with the Kings and Lakers history. Um, And then kind of a winner, the Orlando Magic for trading for Markel Fultz. He sold low. Like, it was easy. Like, it, we know what his value is. I mean, I've been on this podcast for a year and a half telling you, like, I, Markel's done. Like, the Yip stuff. Like, what what are we doing here? Like, n- what player is coming back from the Yips and just all the weird stuff going on there? Like, it's not happening. Um, and I think they, the Sixers should have traded him, like, a year ago. Like, this, they should have been way out in front of, like, oh, this is not ending well. And they waited till the very last moment and uh, got absolutely nothing back for the number one pick of a year and a half ago, which just insane. Um, But for the magic who just are playing Isaiah Briscoe a bunch of minutes now at backup point guard, and we're playing Jerry and Grant, who might be the worst backup point guard in basketball. uh, Huge win because now they can continue being bad. He's friends with Mo Bamba. They played together a couple years ago on uh, team USA when they were younger. Um, or in like in the group or something like that, maybe not Team USA, but they played in those like tournaments that all these um, young prodigies are playing in together now. Because I think it wasn't even just them; it was Bamba, him. It was who else was in this? Was Tatum? Maybe I don't know. I don't remember the exact lineup. <laughs> but do you know what I'm talking about? That all these guys know each other. Oh, I know what it is. Kevin Herter and Trey Young. They played together. Yeah, these were all in the same camps and tournaments together, and that's how Kevin Herter and Trey Young know each other. Um, but yeah, that those are my big winners. Okay. Okay. Um, we can't forget to say uh, one of my big winners is the Dallas Mavericks. Uh, getting 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 Chris S. Porzingis was a, a, a stroke of genius for them. Uh, Dennis Smith Jr. kind of didn't want to be there already, so they made the best of that, and they got. Uh, I mean, look, they got to go with their their star their star rookie Luka Doncic. So I think Porzingis and Doncic are it's a great young building block. Um, either, you know, they might, they might even entice another star. They got out of, uh, DeAndre Jordan's ridiculous contract and he's actually hasn't been that good this year. 
Um, and Harrison Barnes. The, and they got out of Harrison Barnes and you know having to deal with his contract situation next year. So um, and then I, look, Philly, you can say what you want about their depth. I, I don't think they really kill their depth. Getting getting Tobias Harris and Mike Scott, and also bringing in uh, Jonathan Simmons by moving out. You know, it's it's a terrible return, and it's a sad story. I, I can't wait till we get the full story about what happened with uh, Markel Phillips. But they they brought in they brought in some wings. They brought in a, a all star caliber guy to pair to pair. You know, just to to bolster that starting lineup. Um, they got out of yeah. It sucks they had to give up uh, Shamet, but who are some other winners for me? Uh, yeah, I'm not that high on the I'm not that high on the Mark Gasol move. It's it's fine. It's fine. I still think Toronto at their best will have him on the bench, which is going to be funny to see. And honestly, another winner, uh, the Bulls, because I get it. They signed, uh, they signed, uh, what's the guy's name? The Duke guy. The Duke guy. The Duke guy that they sent out for Otto Porter. Oh, um, oh my God. What is his name? Yeah, see, see, exactly. It's not just me. Wait, what Um, Duke guy? The guy, the the one they just gave twenty million dollars to, and then they already traded him. If, Not they, Bobby they Portis. Him, they, Who are we talking about right now? I'm so confused. The other guy in the trade from Bobby. Are you oh kidding me right now? I'm, I'm blanking. Jabari Parker. Oh, Jabari Parker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I forgot he was in the trade. Holy See, shit! I forgot. Go. I was thinking strictly Bobby Portis for Otto Porter. No, I forgot was Jabari, Jabari Parker was in the trade. Portis. Yeah, so they they got that was a disaster from the get go. They don't have to worry about it now. How sad of, is it we both blanked on Jabari Parker? And I thought he was going to be a star in the league, man. Oh, I, I never did. I did. Not a Jabari guy. I, I was. Uh, he's a, he was athletic. Uh, look, the knee injuries, I think, really derailed him. But whatever. Um, so, uh, the Otto Porter, he's overpaid, sure. But he's a good player. And like you said, it does matter that you have vets. I think Otto Porter would be good for Laurie Markinen and uh, Wendell Carter Jr. Like that's a nice. That's a really nice trio. I know it's not, you know, it maybe. But you not can still the most... be bad with Otto Porter. That's the important thing. So no, they can still. Yeah, get... they're going to be bad. Yeah, right. yeah, he's not going to bring your franchise around. And then hopefully next year, if well, you can't get anybody because nobody wants to go play there. But still, no, you draft. He... You you've done well with Markinen and Wendell. Um, you completely fucked up with Zach Levine and paying him. That was why I don't have him a winner. Like they should have moved on that contract. They should have talked a contender into just taking him for cap relief. Zach no, Levine's no... awful. No contender would take him, and he's not awful. He's just, I disagree. He, I think there would be some contenders that would take him. What contender? What contender is taking that contract? Hmm. Let me think. What contender is going to pay him? Was it was it twenty? How much? Twenty five million? It's something crazy. Um, Philly, I think you could talk what? to. Oh, Houston, Houston, I no. think you could talk to. There's oh, no I know the answer. It's uh, Oklahoma City. That Terrence nope. Ferguson spot. Nope. There's no way they're taking that contract because they're already. You have to. Already, We're, you're not getting anybody else. Why would you not? Hurt. If you're OKC, Absolutely I would do no it because they know they know enough about culture and the mindset that they're there's not they're not slotting a guy who wants the ball in his hands between Paul George. They just saw what happened with Carmelo Anthony. They're not going to slot a guy like him. There, that was no way. It's a four year. Oh my God! It's a four year contract. Yeah, there was no way they're taking four years. If and, I'm OKC, I would have done that in a heartbeat. I will. Well, say you're. You would have been fired by G- as a GM really quick. <laughs> I don't think so. I think closing Absolutely. with a five of Jeremy Grant, Stephen Adams, Paul George, Zach Levine, and Russell Westbrook. You in the can't in one breath say he's horrible and then say if you were in OKC, you would have took that in a heartbeat. He's horrible, Which but like is- Terrence Ferguson is horrible. That's the other thing. Is like they- Terrence Ferguson is making like $3 million a year. 
I know, but it doesn't matter. It's not my money. I don't care about that. Like they, well, they're yeah, locked in with Westbrook and problem. Paul George that's and Stephen the Adams. The GM, has to, the, the GM has to care because the owners will fire you for making those kind of moves. So New, New Orleans, maybe before Anthony Davis uh, passed out. But why were they doing that? Yeah. And and yeah, what are they Indiana? giving back? Um, I like the fact him and him and Old Depot on the backcourt. Yeah. But I mean, what are they giving? I think up there for? are teams. But, I think there were they they could have found someone. Yeah, Detroit's yeah. dumb. You could have seen that. Man, that's a lot of money. It's a lot of money. Detroit's paying Reggie Jackson a lot of money. Yeah, that's, Without that's, looking, that, by the way, where is Stanley Johnson right now? Uh, he went to <laughs> not to no, not not Portland. Uh, where'd he go? This is my guy. I love Stanley Johnson coming out of Arizona. Where'd he go? He's in New Orleans right now. There you go. He was yeah 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 New Orleans. There you go. He was in a three team trade with the with the Meritage deal, right? Yes. Okay. Stanley Johnson, the guy that like the Spurs are like potentially gonna make their new like wing case study, goes to New Orleans. Damn it. I wanted him in San Antonio so bad. He will eventually. He he hasn't been good. He hasn't he hasn't signed another contract yet, has he? I don't think so. I think he's on the last year of his deal. Yeah. <sighs> God. Stanley Johnson. Him and Andrew Wiggins, I'll never be able to quit. Those two, I just have a thing, and Josh Jackson. Like, I love wings who have potential to be playmakers who can defend on both ends and can do stuff and maybe turn into a 37% three-point shooter. I'm in on Josh Jackson. I think he's going to be fine. I, I, uh, you're speaking my language. I can't quit him. He's too talented. Uh, they just need some stability and a, and a It'd be nice to have a point guard not named Brian Arakpo. That'd be good. So. Um, all right, can I do losers last thing? Uh, yeah, let's do losers. The Houston Rockets still need more help. Don't love that they haven't really done anything in the buyout market. I understand it's complicated with their cap and everything, but like they've had this season of hell. And I just think with hamstrings and just with how Chris Paul is going to be the rest of the way, I would have liked to have seen Daryl Moore get a little bit interesting. It was just weird that they were this quiet coming off the season they had a year ago. They should be there should be more of a sense of urgency right now in Houston with the amount of miles on James Harden's tires right now with Clint Capella's injury stuff like I just rely on Kenneth for Reed for stretches like I I just would have liked to have seen them dump something. I I think they needed to this season to just I understand it's difficult but call like teams that have just cap hell Charlotte and see like oh Marvin and Jeremy Lamb or something like that bring Jeremy Lamb home. Um, I I just think I would have called and been more proactive in seeing what I could do. Like, oh, Goran Dragic, can we bring him to Houston? Can we do something like? I I just think they should have been more. I mean, proactive. We're, we're saying that we're we're saying this like we don't know what they did. I mean, we I I will True. say that I'm almost positive that Moore was burning up the phone lines because that's what he does, right? So I mean, I would you agree they kind of, they screwed up by not getting something before the deadline? <laughs> I mean, they you can't say they screwed up when they they probably tried. I mean, like yeah. Goran Dragic is not even on the court right now, is he? He's hurt. He's been out for like for a while. I think he might he might be done for the season. He's been gone he's not for a done while. For the season, but but um, I don't know. I yeah, just feel like, like when you're having the season of hell and you are in win now mode, you got to shake things up a little bit when you can. Like you just you got to do something. Um, but they didn't. Lakers, pretty obvious that. Uh, they were losers at this trade deadline. And uh, also Luke Walton, who probably will not be the head coach after the trade deadline. Or after uh, the All-Star break, excuse me. Right? Really? It's over, right? 
they're under 500 for like the first time in LeBron's like what ten, like how many years have been since LeBron's under 500 at the All-Star break? I love it. There's no way Luke Walton's back. Uh, I'm going to say that I think the Heat were a loser too. They they're should have on my list. Yep, they got to they should have moved uh find a way to move uh Whiteside. Not even just Whiteside, but I think they need to move like Dragic and Josh Richardson and guy like I, they're in cap hell, but it's also just like they're. I just feel bad. Like I just read Josh Richardson, I think he's a young building block. You keep him and Bam Morris. You just you keep everyone else should be good. I would keep go. Adebayo. I like him a lot. I would keep yeah. maybe and, Justice Winslow, but Justice, uh, Josh, and Bam, and everyone else could have been shipped out for something. Yeah, I think he could have moved. I think some teams would have talked themselves into Olenek as a third big. He's he's making a lot of money. I know. I, I don't know. And that's their fault. They paid him. Um, I think the Wizards were losers. Uh, yes. I like Bobby Portis. I don't like them taking that Jabari contract. Um, I think it's a team option, though, for year two, right? So it's whatever. But I think they could have got something. They could have got more for uh, for Otto Porter. Otto Porter's a good player. They could have got... That contract's league. awful. It is. It's. A, it's. I mean, so is... Uh, it, like, would you rather have him or Nick Batum, right? Cause, like, oh, Batum's Otto Porter every day of the week. Yeah. yeah. Batum, it just seems like his injury stuff. Like he fell off a cliff after he got paid, which sucks because I like Batum, and he was really good in that last contract year in Charlotte a couple years ago. But um, Hornets also on my list. Um, they should have done something. I mean, I don't know if they I, they like, fumbled like, the the Marcus Gasol stuff. How? Had him right there. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, they're losers for not for that. Even though does that Kaminsky's I mean, getting DMP CDs, my guy. Yeah. They gave up. They refused to take four first round picks for a guy who's getting DMP CDs in like year four. Thank goodness. God, Malik Monk, not a guy. Like they're gonna pay forty million a year for Kemba this offseason? Jesus Christ. Um, yeah, big losers. Uh, but also not all the way because Michael Jordan paid thirty million dollars in cash or something for the Hornets, and now look at their worth. Um, that came out this week. So I think Michael Jordan's doing okay. <laughs> yeah so um did you see i'm not uh, like he paid 30 million in cash or something like that did you see that story no i did not see that are you making this up i swear that story it, it might be 300 but I, no hold on no here it is i'm right so the nba approved the purchase of the hornets by michael jordan with just 300 million dollars in cash and now he has, no 30 go. million sorry three 30 million i was right the first time so Michael Jordan owns approximately 90% of the Charlotte Hornets with the current estimated value of the team at $1.2 billion. The NBA approved the purchase of the Hornets by Jordan with just $30 million in cash. The then Bobcats were valued at $275 million at the time of the purchase. The okay. NBA almost certainly would not approve that type of deal today, but the league and global economy were both in a very different place in 2010. The Hornets have typically operated a loss, but league documents show Jordan's fellow owners sent him more than $130 million revenue in sharing. revenue assistance between 2012 and 2017. Revenue We're all playing sharing. checkers, man, and Michael Jordan's playing chess. In his giant jeans, he is. $30 million yeah, in cash for an NBA team. Um... And who else is a loser at the trade deadline? I don't know. I, I like I like back to the winner side. I do like. I think the Meritage deal is a, is going to be a big deal. I don't think it's going to be a big deal. I don't think it moves the needle for them. But I just think it's nice to have him in that four spot instead of like or Ilyasova and Sterling yeah, Brown. He, well, and then now you have Ilyasova 
Oh, you're still there too, right? So he's going to be yeah. coming off the bench. So um, it raises their ceiling a little bit, you know. Can not I have not a much. One? Go ahead. Okay. See. What's the move? What do they do? I just I think they're one guy away. They kind of remind me of the Clippers during the Chris Paul, DeAndre, and Blake Griffin years, where they have so, four guys, and uh-huh. they just. That Terrence Ferguson, Alex Sabrinas just like took his ball and went home. Like there is just the fact that they couldn't convince Wes Matthews they are killed. Yeah, the that would have been perfect. I would have liked to have seen them done something for that fifth. I don't spot. know what I don't know what Wes Matthews was thinking because sure, I mean Indiana's they're gonna probably make they plan on no maybe they told me after the season we're gonna pay you and keep you. That's fine, but yeah, Matthews I don't love great. them going into. The postseason with Terrence Ferguson being one of their closing five—that scares me. It is what it is, man. I, I get it because they've been looking for a two guard forever, and you know, Fer- Ferguson's hitting threes now. Let's see how he hits him in the pressure cooker of the playoffs. So, yeah, yeah. Is they, Andre they def- Robertson but, coming back? I want to see him uh, come back eventually. I so guess. So is he going to be yeah. available in the playoffs? That yeah, might be the thing. Yeah, but if he's not 100%, then it doesn't really matter, right? Because his his greatest strength is defending and, and defending like two through four, one through one through four. If he can't really go the way he used to and he's a, he's a step slow or whatever, that just negates all of his worth. He so can't be. He will not be returning to the court anytime soon. That was on January 15th. And uh, still, his knee is still just not in good shape. So I don't think it's coming back. Probably not. Oh, God. Um, he, had a, he had a setback. I don't know if you remember, he had a setback during. Um, during oh, I forgot during, about that. Yeah. yeah, and he like he he like he re-injured himself somehow. Can I give you the last one? Go ahead. The Detroit Pistons for not getting off either Drummond or Reggie Jackson. How? Uh, Why because, is he still together? Because Reggie's been playing so much better God. lately. God, I think they've won. They had like what nice little five six game win streak. They've they've Reggie Jackson's back to being healthy again, and they're going to make a playoff push. So I get it. I think they should. I mean, you have Blake now. You need to be going for the playoffs every year. But, like, I just think they should have. Like, I don't love the Drummond Blake fit anyway, but you got to move off one of those two at some point. They won um, four straight. It was four, right? Is that what it was? It still they is lost. four. They haven't lost yet. Yeah, they just lost right now. To the oh, the, damn it. End of so. an era. Yeah, it was it. So yeah, I mean that's and uh, hey, they beat the Knicks twice and they beat well, they cracked Denver in the head. So that was pretty good. But no, Reggie Jackson is healthy, and I'll say this: if when Reggie Jackson is healthy, he is worth that contract. This is the first, no, he's only making sixteen, like sixteen, seventeen million dollars a year. That's not bad. I, I think you can find backup point guards anywhere. Like that's like you can find those guys he's like, anywhere. He's, like, he's your starter. I mean, yeah, he's not that's why I don't want him as my starter ever. Well, I mean, you're, 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 you can't champion DJ Augustine one second. And oh, I can. Him. DJ Augustine's a better NBA player than Reggie Jackson. Absolutely not. Not when he's healthy. I disagree. Give me Red. No. Give me. Uh, give me DJ Augustine every day of the week. Would you like to guess which team is better with their starting point guard between DJ Augustine and Reggie Jackson? So let me ask you this: It's DJ Augustine, sir. He's having a better year than Reggie Jackson. What do you think Reggie's averaging in the last seven games? It uh, doesn't matter. Not going to no, play not. this game with you. Play the game. I don't know. Over don't, under, over under eighteen points a game. Uh, I probably over twenty. Yeah. Over under five assists. I think he's averaged that like for his career. It's like five, so probably a little bit over six. Yeah, 
Over, oh, plus minus, over, under six. <laughs> over. 11 points per game. Okay. Plus. So when he's healthy, this is 14, four, uh, yeah. 14, four or two league really? average from three only shoots two free throws a game. Somehow. Why doesn't this guy get to the line? I don't know. Blake on the other hand, 26, eight and five. Blake is awesome. 36 from three. God, what a waste of an age 29 year for Blake Griffin. It's an it abomination. Is. What they've done to my guy, Blake Griffin this year. Uh, Reggie Jackson, when, when Reggie Jackson is healthy, which is not very often, he's a good player. The point, the problem is they can't keep him healthy. It took him a long time to come back from that surgery, and he's he's finally turned that corner. And you know, so it is what it is. This is this is what they got going on. I just would have moved him for something. Like I just would have. You got to. I don't know. I think they. And another, I guess another issue is that he didn't have any value because he wasn't healthy, and no team wanted to take that contract on. Yeah. I don't know. That's just a really weird roster, right? Like, and Thon McCurr is on this team now. Did you know that? Who? Thon McCurr. Yes, I did know that. And he was playing tonight. He didn't look good at all. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's it was terrible. And they traded Reggie. What did they trade Reggie Bullock for? Um, That's a good question. I know they traded. Uh, who did they get him back for? Remember when Glenn Robinson was someone we were all excited about being on this team? I do not remember that because I was never excited about him. Oh, but, um, I was like that. Yeah, he's going to be making Reggie Jackson making eighteen million dollars a year next year. So, Oof. so basically, if you look at their uh, their plus minus for per hundred possessions for all their different lineup groups, it, their starters are fine. Like Blake, Andre, Reggie, Reggie Bullock, um, all positives. Yeah. Even Bruce that's Brown. Hard. But then their yeah. bench all just dumpster fire. Like that's just been their thing. Is their bench is just a abject disaster. That's my, yeah, Reggie wasn't the problem, man. The problem is the damn bench. And yeah, it's just terrible roster construction. So Yeah. Um, would you guess that Reggie Jackson's only one year younger than Blake Griffin? I would. I okay. I, I, I think he was a four year college guy. That makes sense. Okay. Yep, he came he came in. He was well, he was twenty one as a rookie, so probably, yeah, right? And that goes. Yeah. Something like that. All right, man. I think we got all our takes out. I didn't give you many takes, man. I'm I'm much more of a, like I said, this season, uh, it's been a very enjoyable season because I like to watch the Golden State Warriors struggle a bit. Teams aren't scared of the Warriors anymore because they their uh, their depth has been you know terrible. They have no youngsters in the pipeline or anything. So hold on, I, that Alfonso is, McKinney, he's coming up, bro. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> so yeah, Steph Curry's brother-in-law, Damian Lee. We can see the. I think I think he's out. I think he's out of the rotation now. Pretty uh, sure. yeah, he's getting DMP CDs. Him and Quinn Cook, I think, had a DMP CD the other night. Uh, I think him and McKinney are out of the rotation because that—that's like literally that kid. Uh, which, what's the second guy you hit? Which one? One of those guys. Lee. Alfonso one of those McKinney. Guys, yeah. I think Alfonso McKinney, like like one of KD's security guys, or something. One of the Warriors security guys said, "Hey, that guy can play. He wants you guys to give him a tryout." And that's how he got on the team. That's kind of like the yeah. Heat stuff. Where it's like, how are these guys popping up? Remember the end of the Heat era where they were just so thin on depth where you're just like, what the hell? Who is even like, what, who are they playing right now? I think Draymond's gone after this year. No, I think Draymond stays. I think so you, KD's, so you, I think think KD's, KD's the one who's gone. You know what? And Jordan Bell all, got a DMP CD the other night. All the plugged in people are into it, man. They said like KD and even the Warriors guys, right? Didn't that guy Ethan Sher- Sherwood Strauss basically write about how KD is has one foot out the door. Yeah. That's crazy. That's nuts. 
That's insane. I, I I just can't understand KD leaving that situation, you know. And obviously, it, we don't know what's the mind of Kevin Durant, but wow, that's crazy. I can if he picks the Clippers because that would be the first time in his NBA career that is his team, his situation. He would be the vocal point. He is the face. It's immediately. But see, what I don't understand, he didn't want that. Remember, he said he wanted to go to Golden State and be one of the guys. That's what he said. But I don't think that's turned out to be true. <laughs> you know what it, I mean? It well, I think it's true, but he also feels that, because as we know, no matter what he does, that's Steph's team. Yeah, and, that's what I'm saying. And then in Oklahoma City, that was Russ's team. It will always be Russ's team. And Russ's city. This is Steph's city. If he goes to LA, the Lakers are struggling, LeBron's struggling, he gets to be on the better LA team. It's going to be hilarious if he goes to LA and Kawhi joins him. And then obviously Kawhi doesn't say anything, but like the fans take the Kawhi better. So can you imagine love- how LeBron responds to that? Um, Not well, I'm going to guess at age 34. And then looking across the, like uh, just him having to realize that like, Oh, I picked the wrong LA team. I mean, it's glorious to me. I love it. <laughs> no, because I, I respect the legacy of LeBron James and his greatness. But I think people too often imbue him with almost like a mythological golden touch kind of thing. And it's not. It's just not how it works. Like, he's great. But his, obviously. If LeBron wanted to still win titles, he should have picked the Sixers. uh, No, I still disagree with that, too. That's just a terrible. Like, that, the the machinations it would have taken to get a proper team around them would have been, like, astounding. And that's still just a weird fit. They still would have came out of the East, but they're not beaten. No, no one was scared of Ben Simmons and and Embiid and LeBron well, James. Well, you're not paying Ben Simmons yet, so that's the thing. Is like you could have had JJ, who's like the perfect LeBron guy. Like he's he would have been perfect. And then you maybe find a way to get Kevin Love over there. And then because you're not pay, like Joel Embiid, LeBron Simmons, JJ, and then someone else at that four spot, I think would have pushed the Warriors. I think that. Well, I'm saying ultimately, wouldn't you say that? In 2019, is there a bet? Would there have been a better shot for LeBron to win a title than uh, Philadelphia? I mean, I, that's like saying that's like saying like, well, this chocolate chip cookie has a better nutritional value than that peanut butter cookie. Sure, it's a better shot, but it's still not much of a shot. Yeah. I don't believe in I don't believe in Ben. Like Ben Simmons is going to be a great player for a long time, but like until he can hit a jump shot, man, like you put him in LeBron. Sure. LeBron's a spacer now he can hit, but yeah, that, that Ben Simmons and Embiid thing is just so such a clunky fit. And I, I don't know what they're going to do. I like the idea when people were saying that, you know, maybe they should have brought Anthony Davis into Philly by moving Ben Simmons. I was, I would have been on board with that just because I like chaos. I just, I don't like building around bigs. That's why I can end this podcast with my hottest take of all. I wouldn't take Zion number one. He's not a big though. He's a big. No, he's a basketball player. He's okay. a lot. Like, he's a lot like LeBron. He's a lot like LeBron. Like is LeBron. he? Gonna, is he? Get, how often is he going to bring the ball up? He's a basketball player. He's okay. not. He's, you're not going to put him on the box. He's. He can bring. He can. You can get the ball to him at the top of the key and let him work. So he's not. He's not a big. The the that's the that's the thing with Anthony Davis is that he needs somebody to give him the ball yes. in spots. That's the reason and the that, Pelicans suck is part he doesn't control the outcome as much as like someone like Damian Lillard there's a reason that the Blazers are fine again this year and the Pelicans are not bigs are at the mercy of their lead ball handlers and lead playmakers and Drew is great so it's not not, but Drew's not bringing the ball up even the most like it's Alfred Payton well my point is (laughs) Zion is not going to be just down there on the box waiting for the ball he can pop out and get the ball attack off the dribble he's he's a basketball player that kid he's he's incredible We'll see.
I just, if I was a GM, that's my biggest rule in today's NBA. I just don't think you can have a big be your franchise cornerstone and win a title. I, I just don't think that's possible. He's not a big. Okay. But it, you can at least see what I'm saying, though, with that line of thinking, right? I can, but I just, he's not what. So, I mean, yeah, I, I get it. I, I definitely get it. You, like, Paul you don't George, wanna... Kawhi Leonard, Giannis Antetokounmpo. You go up and down the top of both conferences. Who are the team's best players? I mean, they're all wings. No, they're all, they're I, all guards. I've been saying that the wing is a thing. You want a long rangey wing who can create. That's, That's what why you, you want. take shots on Josh Jackson. Even if you're like, I don't know if the shots doesn't matter. If Stanley Johnson, Josh Jackson, any of those guys hit the same way, like the way that they can, you have a, a guy who can be the best player on the title team. That's why I still love the Celtics because they're so deep with wings. They have multiple of those guys. Yeah. They built the yep. right way. The Celtics, they are thin at the or they're thin at the most easily replaceable position in basketball and the least meaningful. The center and is the running back now. They're not even thin because I think Baines and Al Horford are perfect at center. Yeah. Well, I guess I'm saying that like those are your least your lowest ceiling guys. You know what I mean? We're like ultimately what Tatum Brown and Kyrie can be matters significantly more in Hayward too. Then uh, I, I'm going to just I think I think Al Horford makes that team go because he's a, he's not a classic center and you the fact find that other Al Horfords you cannot show me another Al Horford and I'll slap you for lining because <laughs> show me the guy I'm saying you can find MVP. another smart big you can find another so, smart show me five one because guess none no one else is doing it him and Draymond who else is doing it you you can't find them they're not they're they're not quite unicorns but that utility big who can. Al Horford can bring the ball up. He can initiate from the top of the key. He can initiate from the post. That's not that's not normal. That's not normal. That, that team ceiling we saw in the, in the playoffs last year, Tatum wasn't their best player. Al Horford was their best player. Absolutely. Okay. Go back and watch the tape. He was incredible. He was all over the place def- defensively and offensively. The fact that he spaces the floor and pulls Embiid out, that makes that's why the Philly will never beat them until Embiid, they figure something out with Al Horford. There was a great article on the Ringer today about how Philly still has an Al Horford problem. Because that's exactly what it is. He's the one guy, who, he's one of the only guys who can guard Embiid straight up, almost without help. Uh, and they said the double, and, they, and he flummoxes Embiid. And then on the other end, Embiid can't do anything with him. Okay. So show me another set. Show me a, 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 how easy it is to find another out, however, and I'll smack you with a dead fish for lying to me. Okay. All right. I, I mean, I think a lot of teams have guys close to him, and they could be fine. I just, I don't. Nope. Nope. I'm here. I'm waiting for a name. I'm waiting okay. for a name. Jared Allen, Marcus All. We can go. Uh, Are you? In, all right. No. I, this. Hey. This podcast. Miles over. Turner. Jared Allen. Love Jared Allen. Bam Adebayo. I, I love him too, but he is. He Jonathan is. Jonathan Isaac. Him. Mo Bamba eventually. See, and to me, Jonathan Isaac again. He's he's not he's not what you classify as a big. Sure, he plays power forward. But that's because you got to call him something. He's not a big. He's he's going to float up. Porzingis and again, Clint it's, Capella. It's where the playmaker Rudy comes Gobert. in. None of these guys are anything like Al Horford. They're nothing like him. They're solid the playmaker, bigs. That yeah, I just, they're not. They're not playmakers, and that's what you're oh, missing. Oh, Jokic. Okay, that's again. That's you've named the DeMarcus guy that they call. Demarcus Cousins. Are you kidding me right now? Marcus Cousins, a playmaker at the five, for sure. He's a, he's a sure. He he averages about four or five turnovers a game in Sacramento because he's such a great playmaker. Uh, DeAndre Ayton, eventually. I, I'm not going to give it to him until I see it. He's a good so, passer. I've watched enough of him. Yeah, this year. He'll he'll get you just, there. You were spouting out names that had nothing to do with anything because no, not Clint Capella. 
not Rudy Gobert. You know, I get it. They're great centers. They block shots. They, they just run. don't matter to their team as much. I just think that ultimately, it, my bigger point is do, that though. again, Rudy Gobert without that team, what is the Jazz defensively without Rudy Gobert? Absolutely, you can't say that they're it doesn't still good. Matter. No, they're no, they're not. They're not they're very still good. good. I think it, with Rubio, like the the roster that they have is still a defensive identity. Like I think if you replaced him with if you replaced Gobert with, uh, I don't know, Adebayo. I don't think this defense goes from like first in the league to twenty fifth. They're probably like you're 12. in Atlanta, right? You're in mm-hmm. Atlanta. Yes. Okay, I'll make sure I tell people don't go to smoke weed in Atlanta because it makes <laughs> it makes you absolute batshit crazy. It just they they laced the weed in Atlanta with something because uh-huh. you were just, you're just saying the so bam oh my god Jared Allen like do you think you notice a difference with Jared Allen in that spot? Yes, absolutely. Okay. All right. Holy crap. Dude, Jared Allen's really good. I don't know if you watch. He's much. really good. I love him. I love Ray Allen. He's just not in. The, he's not in the same stratosphere as a guy like Al Horford. It's just. It's just totally different. It's a totally different ball game. Like it's. You said chess and checkers. That's exactly what it is. Right now, Jared Allen's playing. He's playing great at the checkers that he's being taught because he's on his way up. Al Horford is one of the most cerebral big guys in the game, and I get it. I'm not standing for him because I get it. he's not as dominant scorer a lot of guys are. He's not as big as Rudy Gobert, but no, he just he plays a masterful floor game, and he makes such a difference for the Celtics. So I get it. Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Gordon Hayward. That the, the utility is incredible. Al that Horford, too matters. I, I that's just ultimately the Celtics' future rests on those guys, not Al Horford. But, yeah, because Al Horford's 32 years old. Exactly. I'm saying if, if Al was the same age as them. And he, right now, Kyrie's I still don't think he'd be even close. I still think he'd be fifth in the picking order if he was the same age. And this is why you're in Atlanta smoking dirt. <laughs> Dangerous thing. Uh, this is fun. Um, yeah, this is where I'm at, man. Yeah, you remind me why I hate you so much. So thank you. <laughs> I, I was trying to get us back there because we our first podcast, uh, you really ended up hating me at the end. And then you started the next uh, one with like, I was your enemy. Am I back to being yeah. your enemy? Oh, no, you never were my friend. I was just I said oh. I said you so you have me on the show. Yeah, yeah. I don't give a yeah. I'm plotting your downfall right now. Perfect. All right, James Hollis. Always a pleasure. Wish I could say the same, buddy. And that'll do it for today's episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast. I uh, just want to remind you guys, if you like today's episode and you are subscribed on Apple Podcasts or iTunes, I would really appreciate it if you could take a second, leave the show a five star rating and a review. If uh, you're not an Apple Podcast listener, Remember, you can find the show on Spotify, TuneIn Radio, SoundCloud, Stitcher, uh, Google Play, or wherever else you get your podcasts. Uh, be sure to check out ChaseThomasPodcast.com, where you can access all of my previous episodes and also find all my writing. I'm writing there fairly often. And also follow me on Twitter at Chase underscore Thomas and like the Facebook page at Facebook.com slash Chase Thomas Writer. Uh, thank you for your support, and we'll be back another episode very soon. Thanks, guys. Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. 
Most reliable based on rankings from RootMetrics second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement.